Welcome to Unleash Your Retirement with David Corin from RVA Wealth Management. Our podcast is all about providing anyone considering retirement with the confidence they need to pursue their dreams in this new phase of life. We cover a wide range of topics, from retirement planning to investing with purpose, all while making you laugh and keeping things lighthearted. With David's years of experience and guest industry leaders to help guide us, you'll walk away feeling informed, empowered, and ready to take on your future with confidence. So sit back, relax, and get ready to join us on this journey to a new life. Hello and welcome to Unleash Your Retirement with your host, David Corin. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, David. Hello, Wendy. How are you? I'm good. I always love talking to you. You always make it feel, seem like these much, very complicated issues and you kind of break it down where it's not as scary as it seems to be. It's not that scary. I mean, so many people do make money like this scary animal out there. Uh, and make managing things, you know, when it comes to money, this, you know, frightening, amorphous thing that they can't deal with. And it's not, you know, we, we talked about budgeting and cash flow recently. And that's so critical because if you can do that, then you can control the monster. Mm. Uh, you, are, you are in charge. Uh, and the other, you know, the big one that people worry about is, you know, the whole retirement plan itself. Okay. Can I retire? When will I retire? Uh, what will I do when I retire? Um, these are the questions that, you know, this podcast is really all about. You know, that's what we've been covering throughout. I've done a lot of episodes now, uh, and we're going to sort of summarize to some degree what we've talked about already. And I might refer to some of those episodes and say, hey, you can go back and look at the investment episodes if you're wondering about how to invest for retirement, for instance. Okay. We're going to be talking about retirement and making it as protected as possible. Cause I think a lot of people worry one, do they have enough money to retire? And two, is it going to run out of money? <laughs> Absolutely. That is the big fear that everybody has. I think episode six, we go into that to some detail on episode five or six, one of those two, we really go into some detail on that particular issue on whether or not, you know, how much money do you need to have and will it last? Uh, and those are critical issues. And and I'll almost go back to the cash flow management thing again here real quick and just say, hey, it's all about what you're spending, not about necessarily what you've got coming in and, and what you've got in investments. Um, you know, if you have a low spend number, I mean, a lot of people live very relatively frugal lives. You know, they don't travel the world. They're not going out to the opera and to the theater every single night of the week or you know, they're not, they're just not spending a whole lot of money. Uh, they like to cook their own food at home. They like to garden. They, they can have expense numbers that are very, very low. And therefore, in many cases, they only need a little bit of money above their social security to help them get by in retirement. You know, they don't just, their, their withdrawal rate from their portfolio can be very low. I mean, if you've got a withdrawal rate of one or 2%, you can be pretty confident that your money will last. And we do talk about those withdrawal rates. That is a great way to sort of understand. Uh, and I'll jump to this real quickly on the retirement front. Um, so, you know, there's, there's different funds out there that you can have as you get in close to retirement. You can have a brokerage account, just an investment account, if you will. You can have a bank account. You can have CDs at the bank. Uh, you can have a 401k, 403b, 457, simple IRA, a SEP IRA, or just a straight up IRA. 
These are all qualified accounts that you can be setting money aside in. You could have a Roth account, which is a little different because it's protected, but you don't have to pay tax on it when you take it out. And there's no requirement of distribution on it. So you can have all of these accounts set aside for retirement. And then you're going to get something probably if you've been working from social security. Okay. You might have a pension. So that's, that's another animal that we could throw in there on top of the social security. That's your income base going into retirement. So let's say your income base, let's say from social security, you're getting $25,000 a year. Okay. And, uh, but you're, you're a single person. Let's just I'm make an assumption. You're a single person and you're only spending about 30 or $35,000 a year. I mean, that's really your living expenses because your mortgage is paid off. You know, you're in good shape. You know, you've got 25,000 coming in, you're spending 30 or 35. Well, guess what? That differential, that five to $10,000 represents the amount of money you need from your investment portfolio. And if your investments in total are say four or $500,000, that withdrawal rate is going to be very low relative to, so $5,000 out of 500,000, what is that roughly? Oh, it's not five. It's, uh, I have to do the math. I'm not doing the math in my head fast it's enough. 10%? It's not, it shouldn't be 10%. Okay. It be, um, math is not be, the thing. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> I might be using the wrong example here. I might should have gone a little bit lower. Uh, hold on just a second. Let me get that number in front of me. Um, and meantime, I wanted to ask you how, um, I think it's becoming more prevalent when people are in retirement age where they really do still have a mortgage to pay. Yes. And actually that can be a real benefit uh, for a lot of people because, um, <clears throat> by the way, that's 1%. That okay. 5,000 5, out of 500 is 1%. 10,000 would be 2%. So those would be very withdrawal, very low withdrawal rates. Yeah. Um, and so you could go up to maybe four or 5%, but now you're starting to push it a little bit. But with today's interest rates, that's very doable. In fact, you know, we're money markets are paying over 5% right now and bonds you're, you can get six, 7% or better. So you could even cover that withdrawal rate just from interest coming in off of, of safe for relatively safe investments. And you asked me a question and now I, I didn't answer it. I, I apologize. It's about if uh, you get to retirement age and you still have a mortgage to pay on. Uh, correct. So that ties in very nicely. So I talk about this a lot because a lot of our clients will ask, well, you know, uh, why don't I just pay off my mortgage? I'm retired now. I've got this uh, cash account. I've got enough in there that I could pay off the mortgage. And some people just really insist on doing that because they don't want to have to deal with the mortgage anymore. But the problem is, is that, their mortgage rates is like 2.7 or 3%. They're earning way more than that just on the money market. You know, they're earning 5 6% just on their money market account. Why would you take that money that's earning 5 or 6 and pay off something that's only costing you 3? Makes no sense. It doesn't. So, no, it doesn't. So that's that's why you don't do that. Now, on the other hand, if your mortgage rate is 7, percent and you've got this bucket of money that's only earning five or six, use that money to pay off the mortgage because you follow me. So it's yes. pretty. And now uh, 
it used to be that people would keep their mortgages in retirement for the tax and tax break that they get because the interest is tax deductible uh, if you itemize your deductions. However, right now, most people are not itemizing. Why? Because the standard deduction is so high that you're not, even if you add up all the interest you paid, you add up other stuff you may have paid, and you're not going to hit the standard. You're just going to use the standard because it's a bigger number. So for that reason, a lot of people um, also, there's no real advantage to keeping that, that mortgage in retirement, but from a tax perspective, but on the other hand, um, you can, you need to look at what those interest rate differentials are and decide, okay, do I keep my money invested at this rate of return or do I use that money to pay off this mortgage is charging me this rate of return. So this, that's, that's the trade-off that you want to look at. Um, <clears throat> so there are a lot of different options out there for people to set aside money for retirement. And there are also tax implications. I mentioned the Roth. Now, a Roth, you can put money in the Roth at work. There's Roth 401ks now. Uh, there's always these options to do a Roth. Uh, if you're not making too much money, you can put up to um, $7,000 into a Roth each year. Uh, so it's, it's there. It's available for folks. And I actually encourage my clients that have grandchildren that are working that just started careers to set up Roths for them and help them set up Roths because the Roth is a beautiful animal because you put the money in there. Um, it's going to grow tax free. There's no tax benefit to set the money in there. So you get no tax deduction for putting money into a Roth. Well, people that are in a low tax bracket, they don't need that tax deduction necessarily. So it doesn't help them that much. So it's better off that they don't, they put money aside that's going to grow tax-free that when they go to take it out, it's going to be tax-free. And that's what the Roth is. So you put the money in, no tax deduction, but the money grows tax-free. And when you go to take it out, it's tax-free. That's a really nice situation. The other nice thing about Roths is that there's no required minimum distribution when you reach age 73, which is the current age. And Eventually, it'll be 75. Um, so you don't have to start taking money out of that at any point in time. So if you have been frugal and you have other income sources, you may not need to touch the Roth at all. Uh, and therefore, you don't have any, any issues later on. The other nice thing is if you do need it, it's tax-free. So you don't create a tax burden for yourself either. Um, it doesn't cause more of your Social Security to become taxable, that type of thing that can happen or put you in trouble with having to pay more for your Medicare Part B premiums, which is IRMA. So all and these it's things, not considered, um, it's not considered income. It is income, but it's tax-free. Okay. Uh, so you don't have to pay tax on it, either federal or state, as the way the current rules are set up. Um, the other way to set aside money for retirement is through a tax-deductible method, okay, when you, where you get a deduction for the money you put into the account. This would be the typical 401k, 403b, 457, uh, IRA, a simple IRA, SEP IRA, any of those types of accounts, you get a tax deduction for the money that you put in. And one of the nice things with most 401ks these days, there's a match. Usually at least 3% of your salary is going to be matched. Well, that's free money that the company's putting in for you. And you're getting this tax deduction for putting that money in there. And then it grows tax-free. But when you take it out, because no tax has ever been paid on it, you have to pay tax on it. It becomes income, taxable income in retirement. 
And the other thing is, is that because that money's never been taxed, the IRS wants to get their tax dollars out of it. So there is a required minimum distribution that you have to take out once you reach your age 73 or 75, uh, depending on what your current age is. So that those, those numbers just recently changed. It used to be 70 uh, that you had to start taking required minimums. So you do want to think about these tax implications because a lot of times what people don't realize is that they've got this big, big IRA account and they don't understand that when they reach that required minimum distribution point, that they're going to have to take so much money out of that thing that they're going to be thrown into these higher tax brackets. They might find themselves dealing with IRMA, um, which is paying more for their Medicare Part B premiums uh, than they had anticipated. And that, by the way, that can get significant if you're in tier two or three of IRMA, you're paying a lot, many thousands of dollars more per year for your Medicare Part B premiums. Um, and the other thing that can happen is that more of your social security can be taxable. So, you know, you may have been going along just fine uh, and not having to pay hardly any tax on your social security, or maybe only 50% of your social security or 20% is taxable. And then all of a sudden you get this income from your 401k, your required minimum distribution. And now you're having to pay tax on all of your social security. So not only do you have to pay tax on the income you're getting, from the IRA or 401k, the required minimum distribution, but you're also going to have to pay tax on all of your social security that you didn't have to pay tax on before. So it's like a double, it really is a double taxation situation because more of your social security is being taxed and then you're having to pay the tax at the higher bracket on the money you're taking out of your qualified account. That's not to say that's not a great way to save for retirement. It is. It's, it's not a bad problem to have because guess what? You'll have the money to pay the taxes <laughs> in, the, in the 401k or IRA. So you can get by. Uh, you wouldn't have the problem if you hadn't saved a lot of money. And that's, that's good news. Um, but it is something we can manage around. Uh, and there's several ways to do that. And one of those, the primary one is to convert after you retire and before you have to start taking your required minimum distributions out, you begin to do Roth conversions. So you convert some of that IRA, 401k, 403b, 457 money into Roth so that you have a smaller RMD later on. And then you've also got the Roth over here where you don't have to take the money out. And if you need extra money, you can go get that money out of there and not have to pay tax on it. Okay, so because you already pay tax on it. You follow right. You, when you do the conversion, you have to pay tax on it. Um, and it's so important to, you know, get real clear about when you want to retire and what you're going to be doing in retirement. And you have to get clear on your cash flow, on your budget, on what you're spending uh, and understand your income flows in retirement. All this stuff becomes even more critical when you actually do retire and knowing what you're going to be doing in retirement. And I stress this in the, the very first, uh, I think it was episode three, rather, that I stress how important it is to have a goal on how you're going to be living your retirement. Because if you don't have a target, you can't hit it. So you really need to understand what your retirement life is going to look like before you even do set any goals, really. You need to understand that. Uh, you know, Are you going to be a world traveler and spend twenty or $30,000 a year on travel? Because you can do that quite easily, by the way. And I have many clients that have travel budgets in that range. 
for the first 10 years of their retirement. Okay. And you can do, and you may, and they can do that. And many people can do that, but that's different than the person that says, I don't really care about traveling that much. If I do travel, it's going to be to see the grandbabies out in such and such a state that doesn't cost that much. I stay with them. You know, I don't have a lot of overhead. You know, I fly. It's just the airfare to go see them or what have you. And, you know, they're mostly gardening and they do stuff at home and they're just not uh, out there spending a lot of money. That's very different than the person that I mentioned earlier that really wants to do the traveling, uh, has a lot of charitable programs going on and wants to be involved in charity work uh, and does see a, the opportunity to transfer some of their wealth ahead of time to their kids. Because that's a lot. The other conversation I have a lot uh, with uh, folks that have been fortunate enough to build up some some assets going into retirement, they actually overdid it. <laughs> uh, and I say, I point out, I say, we have this little uh, grid. It's a Monte Carlo simulation. Uh, and uh, if you are over 90, if your plan is has a 90% um, success factor rate, so out of a thousand different variables, you know, things that could happen in the world and the market, um, you know, if your plan uh, is going to work 90% of the time, then really you're probably overfunded. You have more, you're going to leave a lot of money on the table when you're gone. I say that. So, and I have a lot of people that their plans a hundred percent. So they are really going to be leaving a lot of money on the table. So we, our conversations then begin to center around, um, well, what are you going to do with all this wealth? Because, you know, you can't take it with you where your, your next, stop is, you know, you can't take it there. It doesn't go. <laughs> so what are you going to do? How do you want this to be directed after you're gone? And that gets into estate planning, uh, but it also gets into really, you know, lifetime giving, uh, giving to the family ahead of time, giving to your favorite charity ahead of time. And there's all kinds of ways you can do that. For instance, qualified charitable distributions can come out of your IRA account and satisfy your RMD. So let's say you don't want to have to pay tax on the money that you have to take out on your RMD. Let's say you've got a pension, you've got other income, and you don't need that RMD. Well, and if you get that RMD, guess what? You're going to have to pay a lot more in taxes because it's going to throw you into a higher tax bracket. You're going to have to pay more for IRMA, Medicare Part B premium. So, oh, it's you know not what you want. So... Um, <clears throat> What you can do is gift that RMD, that required minimum distribution amount, to charities directly from your IRA. Guess what? It satisfies your RMD and you don't have to pay tax on it. I like so, it. Oh, it's a beautiful thing because- And when? You never pay tax on that money and now you're really cheating the government because nobody ever has to pay tax on it because the charity- <laughs> And let me tell you, there are some people that just love that idea. <laughs> I am sure. I, I am sure. I want the government to get my money so I can avoid that. Oh, let's do that. <laughs> uh, so we do a lot of qualified charitable distributions. Uh, we also set up uh, donor advice funds for clients, things like that to help them transfer funds ahead of time and really enjoy that you know, giving part of, of being, being able to do that at that stage in their lives, because honestly, they don't need all that money. So why not give it away? Uh, and then do your state planning. So when it, whatever is left, this is how I want it distributed. 
you know, and, and I want to make sure it doesn't go through probate and all of those issues. And I'm going to be doing an episode very soon on estate planning with an estate planning attorney. And we're going to drill into this into some more detail and talk about how to approach um, where your assets go when you do pass away. Because unfortunately, that is what happens to all of us, right? Undeniable. Can't get away from it. Right. Um, wish that wasn't the case, but hey, you know, it's that's what happens. And we have to decide. And when you die, somebody else has to take possession of your stuff. That's what estate planning is. Who's going to get it, how they're going to get it, you know, and if you don't do anything, the state will decide how it will work for you. And that's not what you want because it's also expensive. That's called probate. So, you know, yeah. you don't go down that route if you can avoid it. We'll get into that in more detail. But once you understand what your goal is for retirement and how to set it, and that's like the first step. I talk about that, like I mentioned in, the, in, in episode three, to some do a lot. Then you want to start setting money aside for those goals. Now, so, so if it's a retirement goal, that's one thing. And what does that look like? But you may have other goals like a down payment on a house, or a new car, something like that. How do you start setting that money aside? And again, we get back to cash flow management to be able to determine what you can set aside. And then you do regular periodic reviews and assessment of that situation. That's really what we do with our clients on an ongoing basis. Uh, we meet with clients at least twice a year. Um, Minimum of once a year with some, but most of the time it's two, sometimes three, sometimes four times a year, depending on what's going on, house purchases, downsizing, uh, moving into retirement communities. So we do often meet with people all, you know, many times during the course of the year. But being doing those regular assessments are critical. You know, Whether you're using a planner or not, you should be doing it yourself to sort of assess where you are. Am I making my goals? Did I, did I hit the goal I set more for myself in the time period? Was it a smart goal? You know, very specific, measurable, et cetera. Um, uh, and then you can sort of see where you're going to land at the end. Now, I want to, we've talked about income flows from uh, investments. Uh, I mentioned Social Security a couple of times. But Social Security is something that people really do fret about, and they should, okay? You really should. This is not some kind of decision you should make lightly in terms of when you start taking your social security. Now you can begin taking social security as early as age 62. Okay. But it is a reduced amount, considerably reduced amount. You, there's plenty of charts out there. If you want to Google it on the breakdown. And in fact, if you look at your statements that you've gotten on social security, if you've ever gotten one of those or go online to check, it will tell you that difference age 62, full retirement age, and then age 70. That's the last date. Waiting past 70 is not beneficial. Even if you are making more money, it's just not going to really have any major impact because there's no escalation in benefit past age 70. But for every month, and you heard that right, for every month you wait, there's an uptick in your benefit from Social Security. In fact, if you can wait past full retirement age, you're seeing an 8% increase every year. And keep in mind that Social Security still is a cost of living adjusted benefit. Now, most pensions do not have cost of living adjustments to them, unless, of course, you work for the federal government or state or something. They still have those out there. But the majority of pensions these days are not cost of living adjustments. They're locked in and fixed. 
Social Security remains a cost of living adjusted benefit. So not only would you get those increases in the base benefits, you're going to get the cost of living increases each time too. So, I mean, I keep looking at my own benefit and how much more it's grown simply because cost of living adjustments, you know, at age 70 now than what it was just a few years ago, uh, because we've had some big cost of living adjustments to social security recently. So when do you take it? Now I would argue if you can afford to wait and you are in good health, you should wait as long as possible, at least age, at to age 70 if you can. But you have to be able to pay for things and make that work. You know, have to figure out how do you cover that gap. Say you retire at 65, but you're not taking Social Security till 70. How do you, what do you do during that time period? Where does that money income flow come from? You know, how do you pay for stuff? But if you have poor health, on the other hand, uh, and don't think that you'll live a very long time in retirement, you know, or you know that, okay, this is terminal stuff or, you know, or I could then take Social Security as early as possible because you're not going to live long enough to benefit from the increased payments. And really, if you can live past, say, age, if you think you're going to live past 78, 80, you're better off waiting to age 70. And let's face it, you know, if you've got, if once you've made it that far to age 65 or so, you probably know what kind of health you're in. And you may have a pretty good handle on what your family history is like. You may be able to say, hey, I think I might live to 85 or 90. Hey, you better wait as long as possible. Take your Social Security benefit. So the other consideration is in married couples. So a lot of times, We'll stagger the benefits with married couples because uh, one person has a very big benefit if they wait to age 70 and the other has a much smaller <clears throat> and does not benefit as much by waiting. So we may have them take their benefit, may have one spouse take their benefit at full retirement age and allow the other spouse to wait to age 70 so that we get that big benefit then because with social security, with married couples, when one spouse passes away, the surviving spouse gets the largest of the two benefits, the largest of the two social security payments. And that could be significant because one of them could be, you know, $20,000 a year and the other one could be 35 or $40,000 a year, you know, a really big gap. <laughs> so you definitely want to keep the big one. And yeah. get, you know, if you got to drop one and you do have to drop one, get rid of the small one. Right. So <clears throat> we do a lot of planning around social security for clients and try to make sure that we're picking the absolute best possible. Uh, and sometimes it's an in-between number. It's not full retirement and it's not age 70. Sometimes it just makes more sense to take it a little bit earlier. Sometimes that, a lot of times that has to do with tax issues, the size of the RMDs that we're going to be looking at later on. There's a lot of issues that come into play that guide us in terms of saying when we want to take social security uh, for the client. And this is, the thing about Social Security is once you do it, you can't change it. You can't go back and say, oh, well, what? You know, wait, wait, I, I, that was wrong. I, I want to wait a little bit longer. I changed my mind. <laughs> they don't, no, they don't. No, not not going to happen. So you know, it's one of those things that you need to think about very carefully and plan for accordingly. And really, I'll be honest, the same thing is really true if you do have the option of a pension you want to look at all your options there as well. 
because you know there are different rules and different things that come into play with a pension, and and I, once you take it again, you can't reverse it. <laughs> so it's a very big decision that you have to think through very carefully, and it all depends on again. We get back to that cash flow management issue. It's real critical to understand cash flow and uh, other investments. So, for instance, I'll give you just a, a little quirky thing where we may say we should we should do Social Security. Uh, let's say your only other income source is qualified money, where you're going to be taxed. Well, we may say, ah, let's we don't want to pull all that money out of the taxable account. Let's go ahead and take Social Security a little bit earlier, and then if we, especially if we can't get the Roth conversions done, uh, let's take Social Security a little bit earlier, and that way you're not having to you're not having to pay so much in taxes and pull so much out of your qualified accounts. Uh, it's better to have a Roth or um, a brokerage account to sort of tide you over and, until you're, you're taking Social Security as opposed to having to pull money out of the IRA. Now, sometimes it does make sense to do that. Again, it's, a lot of it has to do with tax issues that come into play that we make a decision on in that moment. <clears throat> the other thing is that you need to consider when it comes to Social Security is your working situation. I would argue that you really should never take social security unless you've got a health issue. Okay. Unless you've got a significant health issue that you should not take social security early if you're still working. And the reason for that is there are significant penalties placed upon your other income from social security. If you're still working, if you take it early, but not if you wait to full retirement age. So for most people today, full retirement age is 67. So if you're working past 67, and you want to take Social Security, there is no reduction in your benefit. But if you were 65 and still working, there would be a reduction, a fairly significant reduction in your benefit. And so you want to take that into consideration when you're looking at whether or not you take Social Security early or not. And again, I would argue in most cases, uh, you want to wait as long as possible to take your Social Security. So if you want to secure your financial future and be comfortable, confident, that things are going to work, you're going to have to do some real retirement planning, setting goals, understanding where you are, and then take the steps that you need to take to achieve those goals. You have to understand all your retirement account options, evaluate the impact of inflation, which I talk about in nausea in uh, episode four, I believe it is. Uh, inflation has a big impact on you in retirement. And that's why I mentioned that cost of living adjustment on Social Security. That's why that's so important. Um, we have to do cost of living adjustments on your investments, essentially. That's why we need to keep stuff, some portion of the portfolio growing while we have the rest of it protected, provide income. So that's we have to play that out with client. Again, that flows back to, so, to your cash flow. So you have to evaluate that impact of inflation. Um, you have to think about your investments and the returns. And we spent a lot of time in here, you know, in earlier podcasts talking about investment strategies uh, and how to minimize your risk in your portfolio. Uh, you can't eliminate risk, by the way. There's no such thing as a risk-free investment. Somebody tells you they have a risk-free investment, find the nearest exit. <laughs> Run. Because <laughs> yeah. there's no such thing. They all have risks associated with it. Even the CD has risks associated with it. Uh, so you have to be aware of what those risks are. Um, you need to explore strategies 
always to maximize what we were just talking about, social security benefits and pension benefits if you're lucky enough to have one. Proactive planning and professional advice, if you choose to get it, can really help you make informed decisions. Really important. Informed decisions uh, that are tailored to your circumstances. And again, everybody's different. Everybody's unique in what they want to do in retirement, what their goals are for retirement and how they want to spend their time. So you need to start your journey today by making sure that you have a handle on inflows and outflows, cash flow management, understand where you want to be, what your goal is going to look like. In other words, in retirement, where are you spending your time? And then you take control of setting the money aside, of understanding what you're going to need to do to get there. And one of the best, by the way, risk management strategies out there is what we call dollar cost averaging. And we talked about that during the investment um, risk section, but I'll just revisit it here because setting, putting money into a 401k, every paycheck is dollar cost averaging. People don't realize that, but that's what that is. So you're buying into the market when it's down and when it's up, it doesn't matter. You're buying in steadily over time. And that is one of the best ways. And you don't think about it. You just invest. And that's so, oh, I can't tell you. I've got my kids doing it. And I'm so grateful. <clears throat> you know, they're putting money aside, you know, every paycheck into their 401k or into their uh, SEP or their Roth IRA to make sure that they've got money set aside for retirement. Uh, and they're doing it now when they're young. And believe me, that compounding of interest over time will serve them so well. Uh, they will... I know that <clears throat> I can say this with some confidence that when they're nearing retirement, if I'm not here anymore, they'll be thanking me for providing with that advice in that direction. Uh, and so I feel good about that. So be sure that you think through all of these items. Again, we revisited a lot with what's in the, in the uh, earlier podcast, but I think it's a good, this is a good summary podcast to sort of give you a good overview of what you need to be thinking about to make your financial plan as secure as possible uh, going into and preparing for retirement. So David, how can people get in touch with you if they have some more questions? So there are two ways to set up some time with us. Go to our website, rvawealthmanagement.com. I have two ways to kind of, you can do a 20 minute ask anything call. So let's just say you just have a quick question about, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm, can I, should I be putting more into my 401k than I currently am? You know, I'm only meeting the match. Should I do more? That might, you know, that could depend on a variety of things. Again, cash flow will be important, but I'd be happy to answer those types of questions in a 20 minute free call. And I, I get a lot of calls on that 20 minute free ask anything approach. And then the other option is to set up a one hour initial consultation we would send you basically all the information that we would want to gather from you to do a full-blown financial plan. If you can get that to us ahead of time, we can actually put a plan together for you. And when you come in and meet, we can share that with you, give you a good overview of where you are, whether you're on track to meet your goals, et cetera. This is all free. Uh, if you want to work with us going forward after that, obviously we we're a fee-based firm. So that's how we would operate going forward. So those are the two ways to reach out to us. But again, it's rvawealthmanagement.com and just click on uh, set up a personal consultation and we'll get it set up for you. All right. Sounds good, David. Well, thank you. And thank you for listening today. Please like, follow and share this podcast with your friends until next time.
I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Unleash Your Retirement podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.rvawealthmanagement.com or give us a call at 804-497-2100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RVA Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal tax or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of RVA Wealth Management. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RVA Wealth Management or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, RVA Wealth Management and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.